0: Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone, today I'm joined again with David Such, and I'm so happy to have him back. You guys loved him. So guys, welcome David Such.
1: Well, thank you so much, Leslie. It's a pleasure to be back here on Because I Want to Know. Listen, I
0: love talking to you. I literally probably could talk to you for six hours and not get everything done uh, as far as questions, but my listeners reacted so well to our podcast. And so I was like, listen, let's get some questions going and then let's have David answer them. So when we were talking last time, you were talking about Earth is such a hard planet to incarnate on. Now, I don't know if I just heard it wrong, because you said it's the third most hardest. And I think that meant in the universe, not in the galaxy. Am I right?
1: Yes. So I've heard near-death experiencers say it's the most difficult place in this galaxy to incarnate. And of course, the galaxy is full of life, hundreds of billions of stars. And I haven't heard a ranking for the universe, but what I have heard from a few is that there are only two other planets like Earth that are this difficult. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's for very advanced souls. Wow,
0: okay. And is is it like an Earth-like place, too, or is it something different?
1: I've heard no details about those other places. Okay, okay.
0: Because, you know, when you give humanity free will, you're going to have issues, you know, because the other places, they already know where they came from. They have that connection with Source. So there's none of this make-it-up-as-you-go kind of thing, you know, it's... So, yeah, that makes it hard for us here is that we do have free will and we can either stay within the light of source God or, yeah, you can just completely derail and, you know, do a lot of bad things. So another thing they had asked, you know, since we're already talking about the galaxy, what did you learn about the galaxy or the universe? What kind of things do you think would help us to understand more out there?
1: You know, well, I haven't heard a whole lot in terms of what's going on in this galaxy or the universe in general, but there is an overlying theme. Okay. and that theme is there is a growth and development and maturing, mm. just like there is with every human being. You go through the terrible twos, then you go mm. through your younger years, then the teen years, then the you know young adult and then middle age and then old age, yeah. and you mature and grow as you go along and you change. And, you know, we talk about these alien races who most of them compared to Earth are living in peaceful, what we would describe or characterize as extremely peaceful, utopian societies with no problems. The Mm -hmm. problems they have, we would almost consider laughable, but they have problems as well. And there is growth and maturing everywhere. Even the 5% of the bad, you know, the aliens in this galaxy, they're acting out and causing problems, and the 95% good ones got to kind of keep them in check from causing problems. Even they are growing and maturing, and races that were very evil and dominating and warlike are splitting into factions where they're starting, you know, this group now wants to cooperate with everyone else, so... They are growing, there's always growth and maturing and moving to higher levels of consciousness throughout, you know, just the planet or a galaxy or even in the universe, right. because we're all connected. So as human as humanity is raising their consciousness, so are the other species in this galaxy. Right. And we,
0: I mean, seriously, we have to qualify to get to Earth, I think, at, at some point, because it's so difficult, correct?
1: Oh, Yes. And you only a very select group of souls can handle an environment like Earth. You've got to have a lot of experiences and a lot of physical incarnations, not just on Earth, but many places to to qualify to come here. And it's such a difficult place, but it's also such a huge jump and leap in consciousness and development and growing that a lot of souls want to come here. But there's only one body for every hundred souls that want to come here. That's how beneficial and wonderful the experience is difficult as it is when you're in it it's still an incredible experience just as i think we mentioned the analogy last time climbing mount everest That is not easy. That's Mm -hmm. going to be grueling, but it's the experience of a lifetime. You get to the top and there's a view that is heavenly and uh, it's an accomplishment. That's amazing that you're going to talk about family members, talk about it. Oh, my dad climbed Mount Everest. I mean, it's a big thing coming down to earth. That's a that's a wow. This soul is really doing well. They're really making strides and gains.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's funny, because it's like, first of all, why would you ever want to keep coming back? Because it is so difficult, right? But also, what about the people that have these like, and uh, Dolores Cannon kind of talks about it, she talks about these resting lives. I mean, why do you why can't you just rest up there? Why do you have to come here and rest? Right? Can you I guess you can still
1: learn? Oh, if you come down to earth, even if you have a very easy life, you still make great leaps and bounds in consciousness. Okay, okay. And so we have this very funny thing. Humanity often has things exactly opposite of the way they are. Oh. <laughs> and and that is the case with success. Yeah. So you will see a person who is born into a good, loving family. They're fairly wealthy, you know, but they give the kids a good home and the brothers and sisters, you know, pretty much get along and they're smart and they have these amazing careers and they do all these great things and maybe philanthropy and they die without ever facing any huge challenges, no physical problems, no emotional, mental problems. They kind of sail through life. And we look at that and we say, wow, what a success story. Well, what is often a great success story to us is not the same as a great success story to heaven. Yeah. Now, that person who's having the charmed life, they're taking a breather. That human being is taking a breather. I had too many hard lifetimes in a row. Yeah, I made lots of progress. I'm going to sacrifice making the big gains by having a tough life because I just need a breather. Right. I want to come back to Earth and do the work, but I I just need an easier time because, wow, I had it difficult. And, of course, one man was shown, he was a businessman, and he was shown by his spirit guides during his near-death experience. They took him back down to Earth, and they showed him this homeless man who would wait outside the building. Mm -hmm. And they said, we want to show you something. And then they showed the the spirit. And this was this beautiful, angelic being who was just coming down here to incarnate as a human, Mm -hmm. to try and reach those with wealth to teach them compassion. He had chosen this life of an alcoholic, homeless man to help teach others compassion. That man... Is a huge success to happen. Oh, wow. yeah. You know, we'd look at him and say he's a failure. So, yeah, it's it's a different perspective from our, our soul, from well, our higher self.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because you reminded me of something because I have a lovely husband who thinks this is a bunch of garbly goop. And, um, but he, he supports me and loves me and thinks that I'm amazing and do all these wonderful things with the podcast. He doesn't listen to it. And honestly, he would believe any of it anyway. But what would you say to people that? are kind of agnostic or maybe even atheist. I mean, what do you, do you have anything that you say that would ever maybe change their mind or even make them think or pause?
1: Um, I have no desire to change their mind. Yeah. I mean, I know agnostics, a very close family member of mine is agnostic, Mm -hmm. and he implements almost every spiritual aspect that I talk about and that people like you talk about. And, you know, everybody sees a different part of God from our human perspectives. We don't see the whole of of creation of the creative benevolent source that we are all a part of. Mm -hmm. We can't see it all. We only see parts. And every religion sees a different part, Mm -hmm. every human being sees a different part, and every atheist believes in love. Well they're seeing a part of God. So um, with atheists I have no desire to try and change their mind. My only job is to try and love people unconditionally as best I can and forgive and and lead a good healthy life with integrity and self-control and and gratitude you know to my source for being yeah. here and somebody asks maybe then i'll tell them but if you try and preach your religion or spirituality to an atheist you'll just run up against a brick wall but if oh, you yeah. share the love practice peace forgiveness that you learn from spirituality they'll accept that so i say just share the gifts of the spirit so to speak yeah. and and that's argument with them and of course you know once in a while i'll have an atheist say oh, i don't believe in all that stuff and i'll I'll only say two things. I'll say, well, we have a lot in common because we believe the same thing just reversed. You believe we're humans pretending as a God. I believe we're little facets of God pretending to be human. And (laughs) the other thing we have in common, if you're being honest with yourself, we both hope that you're wrong, even though you know you're right. No,
0: that's (laughs) so true. He has said that to me. And, you know, it's funny because, David, he has taught me more about love and forgiveness and grace and understanding Yet, I don't think he thinks about it. I don't, I think he's just an agnostic. I think he hopes, but I just don't think he thinks, you know, that there is really anything after this. And to me, that's just such an empty feeling. And I would never try to put anything on him, but, you know, or make him feel bad about that. But it's just, you know, when you love someone like you love your spouse, you just want them to understand, oh, you have so much more to look forward to. But you know what? I told him, I said, listen, if you go before me, you'll be like, oh,
1: oops, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'll be pleasantly surprised. We wanted to have amnesia. That's part of the game down here. And as far as being an atheist, God does not have any judgments about our judgments. That's a human thing, you know. Well, if I don't believe it in this, I'm in trouble. No, you're not. I mean, the Bible says, 1 John 4, 7, everyone, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Mm. And I believe that. In the the core of every human being, no matter how bad they're acting out down here in third density earth environment is the love of God.
0: I had this conversation almost exactly with a family member who was a staunch Catholic, which is fine. But she did say, well, what about the people that renounce God? What if they worship the devil? I'm like, they're still going to go to source. Everybody goes back to source. She goes, well, I don't believe that. And I'm like, that's okay if you don't believe it. But that's what happens. It doesn't matter. We all go back.
1: Yes, we have this idea that bad behavior deserves punishment. Well, that's a human concept projected onto God. The creative benevolent source of all life does not have anger or judgment Mm -hmm. or even expectation. Hope, yes, but it only loves. That's it. And so when we are down here in duality, we have a choice, and we have a choice in a way that we don't have in heaven. So if you're all connected in heaven, which you are, and, and down here, we have the illusion of separateness. Mm-hmm. You're all connected. You've got a dog, let's say. You're there in heaven with your dog. Yeah. Well, you can kick your dog or you can pet the dog. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're connected and you feel everything the dog feels and it feels everything you feel, the dog biting you is not an option. It's going to hurt him. He's going to feel it Right. as if he is you, because he is. And you kicking the dog, that's not an option. Well, here, when you have the illusion of separateness, and now you can do it, You can choose a a love-based action or a fear-based action. And when you have a choice, a real choice, because you have the illusion of separateness and you have amnesia about who you are and you have that choice and you choose love, that is what contributes to the growth of creation. Right. So even those acting out in darkness, whether you have an experience down here, whether it's good or bad, you've done something horrible, you've done something compassionate and wonderful, both of them raises consciousness because people would rather have a negative experience than no experience. And when you have the negative experience, it strengthens your desire to have the positive experience. Yeah, I
0: know, guys. Uh, to my listeners, David has either listened or heard nearly 1200 nde stories so you can only imagine the amount of information that he has in his little noggin about all of this right and i tell you a couple of them have said hey this is his second time this is his third time because they keep wanting him back because we all have so many questions right so here's another one david child ndes talk to me about how they're different
1: well, children mm-hmm. often don't have preconceived notions that culture, society, and religion tends to imprint on people over time. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, very young children, you know, one-year-old or a two-year-old, you know, they'll have imaginary friends. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, those friends aren't imaginary. All newborn babies can see spiritual entities, you yes. know, the same thing some near-death experiences see when they come back. They can see spirits, they can see auras, they can see all of that. Mm-hmm. And so they'll see their guardian angels or spirit guides whatever you want to call them. And as they grow up, you know, they're they're taught not to, and when their belief goes away, their abilities go away. So children who have NDEs are very unique. They're generally met by sort of motherly or very sort of nurturing fatherly entities up there or relatives. They're explained to things the way you would explain things to a child. Mm. And when they come back, they tend to have stronger psychic and special abilities than adults do. It it tends to affect them more just because a child's consciousness is is about the highest your consciousness will ever be. You know, they live in the moment. They're not yeah. worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. They're not fretting about what happened yesterday. You know, you go to the DMD and everybody's miserable, except yeah. for one group of people, the little kids, they're right. running around and having right? a good time. <laughs> you're, you're mature as a child. yeah. And so they'll tend to take on more of those positive attributes And one thing that they sort of talk about it like they kind of miss it a little bit is they say it tends to make them mature beyond their years. They tend to become more Mm. adult-like. And some of them talk about that like they're hesitant if they think that was a good idea or not. But, you know, they're just dealing with it. And then, of course, when they talk, they talk in very simple terms about the things they saw up there. You know, one girl was saying she she was five years old when she died. You know, Pappy was showing me through heaven and then through questioning, they found out it was her great-grandfather.
0: Oh, I didn't even think about this in children's now. Do you think adults and children, do you think we plan our NDEs
1: or do you think they just kind of happen? Some are not part of the itinerary of the soul planning, but most of them are. And that is a bold move for a soul to make because when you experience that perfect love, that perfect peace, that mm. ecstasy, that bliss that is beyond <laughs> human description. I mean, that white light, there are no earthly words or descriptions or analogies that even come close. Yeah. And to experience that perfection and then to come back down here, it's like its like going back to hell. It's like if you were in a jail cell, all your life suffering misery, and all of a sudden they take you out, and you spend one month in a palace of luxury being pampered and massages right. and gourmet food. And, and you live like a king. And then you got to go back to the jail cell. That yeah. is tough. It's, it's <laughs> and a lot accurate. of souls, when they're up in their NDs, they're like, no, I'm not going back. And, you know, they've got to convince them that it's in their best interest to do so and then send them back. But, yeah, it's a, it is a bold move from a soul. But you come back and you're a transformed person. Right. Your vibration is higher. You're just infused with the love of heaven, and it's a great thing to do for a contribution to humanity to help humanity evolve. Absolutely. So it's a bold move, but it helps a lot, and it's difficult, but it's it's good for us all. Absolutely.
0: And I've heard other Indie ears talk about the healing temple and the and the hall of knowledge. And now I've gotten to where because I heard that even if you're not um, in spirit, you can take yourself to the healing temple or ask your guides or your whoever is like. I think my mom's one of my guides, because I asked her to be and she was like, I got to do is ask. So that's what I did. And she said, fine, I'll be helping you. And sometimes I'll say, Mom, just, uh, and I don't have anything wrong with me. But sometimes you just want to feel better for whatever reason, you know, you've got arthritis or whatever. And I'll say, just take me to the healing temple tonight, um, either in my sleep, or let's do it now together. And I just imagine, you know, a white light coming in through my crown and just kind of swirling around me and just one night I was doing it. My mom goes,
1: uncross your legs
0: (laughs) so we could have better access to me. What do you think about
1: that? Well, sure. We are facets of the big divine creator. And we have all the attributes of that creator because we are that creator. And so there are places of healing. There's places of rest in higher dimensional realms in heaven. And we have that ability down here, although it takes more effort and it's slower and it's sort of an arduous process, but imagery will create. So when you imagine that golden white light is what's talked about in a lot of guided meditations, you're actually conjuring up that light of creation, yeah. which is really good for you. It energizes all parts of your body and your chakras and all that yeah. and can put you back into balance. And soon you imagine that, it actually happens. And I have heard about uh, near-death experiences who will use imagery if they feel they're being attacked by a negative energy or something, they mm-hmm. imagine two big, powerful, good dragons protecting them, and that creates an energy of protection. Right. And yeah. so what we think we become, I believe that's what Buddha said. Yeah. You know, your thoughts are everything, what you think you become. So when you imagine healing, you can create healing. Yeah. And, of course, this is the reason why the news is so bad. Yeah, you know, exactly. There's a hurricane in the Pacific. It's Category 2, but it could get much bigger Now people fear it, and you have millions of people watching that focusing on fear, and their fear creates that hurricane to uh, become bigger. Such a uh, good point. You know, a level four or five. Yes. Yes.
0: And while we're talking about, you know, things that you can do on the other side, I had a discussion before we started recording with David. And if you listen to my podcast, you guys know that I have had contact with my father, who is no longer with us here on Earth. My mother is also in spirit as well. They were not married for years and years my father was very abusive hence their divorce so as you guys all know i can talk to my mom and i talked to my mom about all of this and she did say you know you can talk to your dad and i like i said i just talked about this in my podcast um i told david what he said about being in solitary confinement because and i didn't tell him this part for years my father denied the things that he did to his family to his kids And had his whole family believing that he didn't do it. So I think once he saw the life review and was like holy crap my god i i'm horrible you know he put himself in solitary confinement because that's not god doing that that's him doing it and so david i would love for you to elaborate and tell me what you think about this
1: sure i think we talked before the show about yeah. the analogy of a heroin addict to uh, yes. handcuffs himself to the bed and says you know don't let me out for three days just right. bring me food and water you know And a soul will do whatever is necessary for the advancement of your consciousness. So if he has trouble not being able to forgive himself and he's got to go through this process to be able to heal from it, then, you know, that's a brave thing to do. He's putting himself through a a difficult situation to get through it as quickly as possible. And it's a noble thing. You can do things in heaven. Near-death experiences are told, hey, you don't have to go back down to earth, that rough place. You can stay here and do things. It's just if you want to get a lot of progress and a lot of growth, that's a huge jump. Right. And I imagine that there's realms in heaven where it's the same way. You can choose to come to a, a lower place and experience a certain amount of disconnection or whatever that does energetically, right. but he's doing it for his own best good. It's a voluntary thing. They don't force you to do anything in heaven. You have free will. Oh, you can do any, totally anything agree. you want. Yeah. You've got freedom up there.
0: And I was telling you, because I was like, well, where are you? Because when I was talking to my mom, I said, well, can you see him or can you talk to him? And she goes, I could if I wanted to, but he's not where I am. And I was like, what? And she said, he's not on my level. And so I was like, okay, so when I asked my dad, I said, where are you? And he says, I'm on a level where, because he did say it's not hell, there's no hell. But it is his probably own hell, because he's in solitary confinement, he can hear people crying or whatever. But he can't talk to anybody. But I did ask him do you feel source? And he says, I feel source all around me all the time. That's what gives us hope. That's what makes us know we're doing what we need to do or whatever. So I was like, wow, okay. Then when I I said, I forgive you. And he said, you're helping me just by communicating with me. And I said, now that you're not in the meat sack and you don't have ego, I know you're in spirit and you're not the same kind of person or soul or spirit. And so I said, I'm happy to be helping you. Can you help me with this? And I told him, go back and be the father that I didn't have be the protector I didn't have in a father. And he says, I can do that for you. And so when I got a hold of him again, a few days later, I said, are you still there? And he goes, I am still in solitary confinement. He's still doing that to himself. But he's not on that same level. And you and I were talking and you said, I would love to talk to you about the density. So tell me what you think, David.
1: Well, in terms of density, so you hear people on the internet talk about 3d, 4d, 5d. -hmm. And there's really not levels like that. It'd be like if you're walking into the ocean, yeah. And you say, "Well, I'm at two feet deep, so I'm at two D." this is gradual slope. So the higher densities or higher vibration, which are higher number, like a five D, is a is a less dense, higher vibration environment. Okay. And Earth is three D. Most of the rest of the galaxy is five density. This is not dimension, by the way. So dimension is like a line is one D, a square is two D, a, a cube is three D. It's not that kind. It's it's more of a density. Okay. And we're in a higher vibration. You can see a, a wider spectrum of, of light frequencies and the colors are brighter and that kind of thing. Okay. And of course, when you're getting back to your father, when we come down to earth, we experience disconnection from others and disconnection from source. But even here, we feel connected. You feel connected to family, friends. Sure. You even will feel connected to a human being that you see suffering. You, you have this tug at your heart to help them. Yes. So to harm another human being, the worse you want to harm them, It requires that you first be emotionally and spiritually disconnected from that person. Mm. And when you experience disconnection and the pain and the suffering that it causes, it makes you appreciate. And because appreciation is gratitude, gratitude is like a magnet for higher vibration spirituality. It strengthens and grows that connection. I mean, what happens when a loved one goes away on a long vacation and come back after three months and you haven't seen them? It's a lot different than when it was yesterday or this morning. They left and they come back home. Right. You know, you oh, my God, it's so good to see you. It strengthens it. Right. Yes. So even in heaven, if you want, you can experience a certain level of disconnection. You create a realm with other souls who are there and you mm-hmm. say, we're going to agree to these rules. And mm-hmm. if it helps you and it helps your growth process and it helps you get to where you want to be, well, then you'll do it. Sure. Wow. wow. And he's. He's made that choice to help you and to help himself. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, and you're right, because and I would never have thought, okay, that's noble. You know, I never thought of him as being noble ever. I have a psychic medium, Christina Curran, who is um, my resident psychic medium. And she said, because I told her the story and we talked about it. That's that episode I was telling you about. And she said, I liken it to something I saw on HBO or whatever. I was watching some movie where this man went outside and shot a gun up in the air. And it ended up paralyzing a child, a county away or wherever it was. And she found out who it was. She went and she hated him. She, you know, for years, he went on trial. It was really bad, right? So it ruined his life. So she goes and finds him and he's living in this rundown trailer. He's an alcoholic living in active addiction, just in squalor. And she goes in there and she starts throwing things at him and just being, oh, you SOB, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And he's just taking it and he's just letting her throw things at him. And then finally he says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And all of a sudden she had that moment of clarity of all I'm doing is making worse for me. And it's almost like, that's how I felt about my dad. I was like, I wanted you in that bad place. I wanted you maybe in hell, you know, I don't believe in hell, but I wanted you to be in hell, you know? And he kind of is in his own mind But he also allows himself, or at least source God, whatever, says, the fact that you're doing this, I do want you to feel me. I do want you to feel that I am here. I will be here when you are ready to accept me. And when you're ready to accept and forgive yourself.
1: Our creative, benevolent source is just like that really patient mother, times a million, mm-hmm. who the child's pouting, I hate you. And the mother just says, well, I love you. I'm here for you, sweetie. And is just patient and waits. Yeah. Our Heavenly Father is just really loving. He's yeah. not going to force you things. We're not ready. If you got to go through this, son, you know, to feel better about it, that's fine. You know, I, I forgive you. Well, I want to make it up and do this. It's not necessary, but if it helps you forgive yourself, sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I totally agree and that's exactly what I know is going on because there's a lot of people in this world to say well where was God when this happened? Where was God when that happened? And I'm like you're not understanding the picture here.
1: (laughs) No I mean we we do this as human beings this is one of the things I hear from near death experiences that like I don't want to say a noise because that's the wrong word like you know the mother who sees the child doing something and just throws her hands up in the air and goes oh my goodness this child and is laughing about it Uh, it's not annoyance but one of the things that we do that does that is anytime there's something bad that happens you know there's a war well how could god let this happen and then we're so good like a cure for cancer that this doctor invents you know we say well look at what we've done how great we are yeah (laughs) it's the opposite like no, no, I don't want you guys fighting. I've sent all these messengers, you know, Jesus, Buddha, I've sent all these messages to the planet telling you to try and get along. You're not listening to me. Listen, if you really want to fight, if that's what you got to do to get out of your system, then go for it. But I really don't want you to fight. And we caused the war, we caused the suffering. And then that doctor who invented the cure for cancer, you know, it was this doctor who wanted this cure and they kind of help him out and send him the ideas. And so God was involved in the good thing and doesn't get credit. And we made the bad thing and he gets blamed for it. So, yeah, we tend to do that as humans.
0: Well, well, we have to have somebody to blame, of course. But and it does. Yeah. And but my thing is, too, when we do find things that cure cancer, because there are treatments now that literally, you know, immune therapy that cure cancer but then you know the people that have it or own the rights or whatever keep it from us and we still do the same old same old thing with chemo because it's more expensive that way and it's all about money and that's also just so to me money can be so good but so evil.
1: Sure I mean it depends on the consciousness of the person. So if you put a knife in the consciousness of a really bad person, he might use it to threaten somebody and rob them. If you right. put a knife in the hand of a good person, they might go to a food kitchen and, and cut food with it. You know, So yeah. any yeah. tool can be used for good and bad. It depends on the consciousness of the person. Yeah,
0: it does. And, you know, it's, it's funny. It's all perspective. And uh, when well, you understand that it's freeing because I'm no longer a victim. You know, I'm no longer a victim of my father, because like I said, people have said, how could your dad do that? How could, or how could God even let that happen? Well, my dad had free will. And now obviously he's paying for that. But also if I can help him, and why would I want to help him? Because it's helping me too. And I think it's okay to be a little bit selfish when it comes to life on this planet. I'm human. You know, I would love to feel better about that whole situation. And I know God would love for me to feel better too and so would my dad. So, and if that helps my dad and if it helps me, I I can't
1: see anything wrong with it. Sure, and this word selfishness in our culture is a dirty word. Yes. And really think about it, altruism and selfishness, they're both okay. <laughs> well, let me give a little disclaimer here. <laughs> when they're balanced. So in other words, if I'm taking care of myself and, you know, eating good and exercising and doing things I want to stay happy and joyful, this allows me also to have the energy and ability and intention to make a contribution to humanity as well. And we all do both. So if I'm helping myself and we're all connected, I'm helping the whole. I'm helping everybody, including myself. If I harm another person, I'm harming the whole, including myself. And it's the same when I do something for humanity. I'm, You know, let's say I donate to some money to a, a nonprofit that helps children in third-world countries. Well, even though there's nothing directly in it for me, I'm connected to those children, and so I'm helping me. Now, where we get into a problem is if you have out-of-balance service to humanity, everybody's trying to help each other, so it works out. If you have out-of-balance service to self, you get things like— You know, businesses scamming people out of money and, you know, call scams and email scams and, you know, Ponzi schemes and just people acting out in selfishness. And you get things like DuPont in the 1950s. They come up with nylons, but the nylons don't run. They last forever. And DuPont says to the engineers, we can't have that. The customers have to keep buying the product. Go back to the drawing board and make it fail and it causes problems in society. You know? mm-hmm. Somebody cuts the catalytic converter out of your car and gets $100 in scrap, and now society's got to produce a new one at the cost of $2,000. Yes. So out-of-control selfishness causes problems. Now, if you're an individual and you're out-of-control selfish, you're causing problems for everybody else. If you're out-of-control altruistic because there's a, a lack of altruistic people, not enough people contributing to humanity, when you're a giver, there's going to be a lot of problems up, and you can get burnout real quick. Oh, yeah. And a oh, yeah who yeah. works 120 hours a week trying to save people and then has a nervous breakdown because he's working too much, he's no good to anybody. So we have to have balance. Right. And you can guess our society whether we're out of balance with altruism or, or selfishness. Yeah. <laughs> too much selfishness. But we're coming back into balance. We'll get there. It's just going to take a few decades or 100, 150 years or so, something like that. Oh, my god! <laughs> but we'll get there.
0: Wow. Well, you know, and you got to know the aliens are just looking down at us like, dang, you guys are really not getting it.
1: Well, they, they know we're in this third density that makes us easily manipulated, easily controlled, mm. uh, where we buy into fear. Just like a parent knows the child, you know, is scared of the dark because he doesn't know just turning the lights off doesn't create a danger. Well, they recognize that, you know, we're doing the best we can under the circumstances, but yeah, there's, there's kind of like this, oh, these humans, you know, what are yeah. we gonna do with them? We're just ignorant at the moment. And they're kind of helping us out covertly. So
0: tell me more about who's helping us out. Who do you think is helping us? Who do you think, uh, I know there's uh, a prime directive. they can't really do too much, but who do you think helps us along the way or nudges us in the right direction?
1: Well, if you believe what trans-channelers say, and there's not too much information from near-death experiencers, this is mostly from Uh trans-channelers, you know, people who have these communications. And if you believe what they say, the Galactic Federation of Worlds is uh, watching over us. There's a show on Gaia that uh, Target and Chandler says it's them right now. They've taken turns. But the Pleiadians, the Acturians, the Syrians, I mean, 95% of the galaxy is, is good races. And okay. uh, quite a few of them are helping us out. Some of them because they made mistakes in the past, you know, with Earth. (laughs) They they screwed up. Kind of nice to know that as advanced as they are, they make their mistakes as well, and they have opinions. They tend not to go to war and blow things up like we do. They tend to try and settle their differences without blowing things up because that doesn't help anybody. But uh, there's a number involved, but it's mostly the uh, Pleiadians and the Acturians. They would be our cosmic parents, and cosmic grandparents. So, Pliades did life here.
0: Wow. Do you think that the aliens, I, I say aliens just because I'm trying to group them together because there's so many, do you think that they had anything to do with Atlantis or that they were the Atlantans?
1: I don't have a clear history on that. I know there's lots of information online, mm-hmm. but Lanians, I believe, were a great culture, but they started to deteriorate spiritually. Mm-hmm. And then they started doing animal-human hybrids, yes. which thing is slaves and sex workers. And they got in the low consciousness stuff, and, and that's what caused them to suffer. But I don't know their history yeah. real well. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've heard things like, you know, they just went ahead and at that point they had to intervene. And some escaped and helped build the pyramids from what I have been uh, looking up. And I, that's obviously just a theory. I don't know, obviously, what happened really. But it does make yeah, there
1: were you... a lot of races that, that were involved in building the pyramid. It wasn't just the Egyptians. There were oh, yeah. various races involved in that.
0: Did you know that from hearing your death experiences or was it more of a hypnotherapy kind of thing where you heard those things from?
1: A number of different sources, including one man who is he was a very old man when he did the documentary. I don't think he's still alive, but he worked there since he was a kid. And he talked to the old folks in the times before, electricity and all that. And he believed that the pyramids were a power plant. And there are engineers, you know, uh, Greg Braden and people like that. Who looked at it and think it's a power plant, and there are various channelers who talk about it being a power plant. It had a couple of functions. It was a generator of zero-point energy, Mm. and it transmitted that energy, I think, through the ionosphere, and so it was similar to Tesla's wireless electricity that he wanted to develop. And then its other function is that when you have magnetic fields interacting at right angles to each other in an argon matrix or however they did it in the Great Pyramids, you also get access to higher realms. And so it was used to help people astral project. And they could even use it as a portal to physically transport somewhere else. Let's talk about that. I don't know if that's true. But the the main consensus is it was a power plant for some kind of spiritual energy or possible electricity or or both. Now it's the dead shell, you know.
0: Or some kind of tomb. But they, you know, they tried to mimic it. I think they did something. I don't know what desert it was. I read about something where they tried to mimic it with the kind of materials they had and they just couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, it was capped with gold and it had a limestone, I think, limestone covering. It had some sort of covering, mm-hmm. and you can see a little bit about on one of the pyramids. And this covering took this energy that comes down, and it would angle it in and sort of focus it, and that's how it worked, and it was filled with water. Wow. And then there was a lower chamber below, but it definitely wasn't a tomb. And of course, even now, a lot of the Egyptologists say that it wasn't a tomb. It doesn't fit the, the characteristics of a tomb with writings, uh, you know, about what king was buried there or whatever. Yeah.
0: But it's just so interesting because, you know, there's so much about, heck, our oceans we don't even understand, let alone the pyramids or space at this point. But uh, so before we go, I wanted to ask you, David, what do you think the, the main purpose of life is here on Earth? I mean, obviously it's love, but if you had to describe to someone who doesn't even know what life is on Earth, how would you describe why would you want to come?
1: Okay, so if you are an infinite, benevolent, creative being and you are capable of unconditional love, if you don't have a choice, you're limited. And so there always has to be a tiny little portion of creation that experiences duality, Mm. love, fear that we're experiencing on Earth. In order for the love of heaven to exist, mm-hmm. in order for all the benevolent species in our galaxy to exist, somebody's got to be having this duality experience. The part of creation has to be having that. It's part of the growth. Without it, I believe there would be no growth. Wow. There would be the perfection of God in creation, but it wouldn't be this elaborate beautiful growing evolving thing Mm. and everything in nature has to grow the nature of god is to grow and mature a tree grows and mature cities grow and mature people businesses i mean it's it's a process that's integral is as part of who we are pieces of creators that we are we want to create human beings want to create animals create birds create nests i mean we we all do that we'll create families And so we're experiencing the duality. We're doing a very important job of creation. We have a choice of love or fear. When we choose the path of love instead of fear, grows that love. And when we choose the fear path, it becomes that more desirable (laughs) to choose the path of love. Absolutely.
0: Totally agree. Wow. What a poignant message. Um, Let's real quick talk about your book,
1: God Took My Clothes. You can go to godtookmyclothes.com and download a two-chapter preview. And there's also a link to my spiritual counseling. I do counseling for those who have had near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, spiritually transformed experiences, and that kind of thing. Wow,
0: yeah. And that's, I love that what you do. I think that's so important for people, especially when they have to come back and go, a lot of them are depressed. And a lot of them are very confused. And some of them may not even realize uh, that was real. I think most of them do because they say the other side's more real than here. So um, yeah. <laughs> and when you talk to them, real quick, what kinds of things do you tell them?
1: It depends on the individual. So I wouldn't be a, a decent counselor without a lot of help from above. So when I get on these calls, often I'll get spiritual guidance uh, nice. on what to do. They all vary drastically. Some people have had a near-death experience and they just have questions. Others, you know, I had one person who had, in their 50s, started having out-of-body experiences and was freaking out about it. And I calmed her down and told her it was normal and, you know. Yeah. So it just depends on the individual. Somebody might be going through difficulty in the relationships because of spirituality or having difficulty. how to. Deal with it, and you know whether to talk to others. It's just a, a bunch of different things. It's very individual for the specific client.
0: Well, and the fact that you can do that and help them, because a lot of people, there are some people that won't be as as nice about it, and as you know, they don't want to hear it. I hear a lot of medical doctors don't want to hear that you just. Uh, saw me working on you and you knew that I had two kids and a wife and I have a dog and uh, I play golf every Sunday, you know what I mean? And these people know all this stuff. And you know, they still don't believe them. So you wonder but listen, I could talk to you so many times and I may just have to have you back on as just if you guys want to know more about near death experiences. Maybe you didn't have one David didn't have one, but he knows so much and he can answer so many wonderful questions. And I just adore you and thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Well, thank you so much, Leslie. It was a pleasure. You know, talking about this stuff is my favorite thing. So I'm grateful to you.